You can be seated. You know, the Lord is good, and man, what a great worship set. Here's what happened today. We had a song we did a couple weeks ago, the Highlands, that was so powerful, and I said, can we please do it this weekend? But we have one problem. If you've noticed, there's a guy missing right here. His name's Drew. He's in Los Angeles at a big art conference. You know, he's getting ready to graduate next uh, May from uh, Savannah Art College, so he's not here. But man, were y'all thankful for this team today and the job they've done? It's amazing. Yeah. Lord, I, I love the songs they've chosen, man. It's so powerful. And uh, I want to tell you, uh, kids, y'all can be released right now. So we want to go ahead and release kids into their zone. You can follow Miss Kelsey. Also, offering people, I've been, in, we're in a new format in the last uh, several weeks after doing the same for a long time. So guys, you that have the offering baskets, would y'all just come forward and stand and, and, and in a minute you can go, because I keep forgetting to do the offering. It's kind of critical around here. Okay. Hey, uh, I want to I show you a couple announcements. There's this one big one. It's going to come up, our firefighter deal. Is it going to show up here? Feeding the firefighters? Do you have that up there? Okay, well, anyways, I'm going to tell you about it. Look at, open up your worship guide. You got a bulletin when you came in. We call them worship guides. And there's a deal for Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, we're a part of the Pike Road community, and uh, so there's a volunteer fire department with very few paid employees. Most of them, there's like going to be 24, 25 that are showing up. And we want to bridge. We want to build the gap. We want to serve the community. We want to be Jesus. And the church said to them. So we're inviting you. Kevin is taking the day off work, and he's like cooking his world-famous Boston butts. So that's worth coming for that. But we hope your motivation is, is to share the love of Christ. So what we need you to do is we need you to sign up at the information center out front and let us know you're coming. If you could write down what food you're bringing. So we're going to offer Boston butts, and we went out and got potato salad yesterday and buns and all this stuff. We could use a lot of side dishes in your lives. So 7 o'clock, it's over at Wallahatchee. Just sign up, uh, put your phone number, and I'll text you or whatever, let you know. But we need you to be there early and help us serve. That would just be an awesome thing. Uh, so we're going to do that. Let's pray, and we'll get into God's Word. Father, we're grateful for a Sunday morning experience once again. They come so quickly. God bless the giver. Lord, expand our gifts, give us greater capacity to reach our city, our nation, and the globe with the gospel of Christ. And the people gathered and said, amen. You can pass those back now. So we're going to get into God's word together. And uh, I invite you, if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn over to the book of James, okay? Go over to James with me. We're in like the fourth week here together, and we're having a lot of fun as we're walking through this expositionally. Uh, in our times together in God's Word in a public proclamation of what God's doing and what He is saying to the church. And man, I, I love this book. I, I preached on it a, a couple times over the 23 years, but never quite like this. It's always different. Don't you love that you cannot exhaust the Word of God? No, many, no matter how many times you read the Word, it always has something new. How many would say amen? And man, you just dig and you dig a little deeper and you mine the treasures of God's Word. And that's what we do. So I'm going to start it this way today as uh, we get into this. Recently, I read a story. It kind of reminded me of something when I was in youth ministry, but here it goes. There was this interim pastor. Interim pastors are the guys that come in when the churches are on search uh, mode for a new pastor. So he kind of had a lot of authority, or he thought he did. And he hadn't been there at the church very long, so some people knew him. Some people really didn't know him well. But he thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do something a little unique today. So 
uh, that weekend he told his wife, hey, baby, I'm not going to take a shower and I'm not going to shave. She goes, you're not sleeping with me. You're a bum. And, uh, but he, he came to church and he was looking kind of rough. But what he did before was he decided he'd go over to the Goodwill and he'd find like some really nasty clothes and then he'd get them nastier. And then he'd go over to the, to the uh, package store and he'd buy some drinks that he didn't usually participate in and he would pour those on the clothes. And he just got real gnarly smelly. You know what I'm saying? And he decided he would come into church. So he came in and he slipped in on the back row. And he was just sitting back there on the back row and like everybody was ignoring him. Like, oh man, this guy's coming to our church. Like, man. And so finally somebody comes to him, one of the ushers, and I'm sure they probably meant well, but they just had probably never read the book of James and they just said hey we just like to you know we probably need to remove you from the service and all this and so he got up and he walked out little did they know he walked around the building he came in the private office to his the private door to his office he went in he got his bible he came back in he walked up on the stage and he stood up to preach the word of god uh deacon resigned uh, a lot of people were really frustrated like man favorism you know, favoritism and here, here's what i'd say to us this morning i was thinking about all these people like uh this morning if i said if i came in and like i had tiger woods on my left and i had oprah on my right or if i had uh you know just it, it, you know i had if I, I i like basketball so don't throw this at me if i had seth curry sitting with me and somebody else and they were sitting on me i promise you everybody would come running over to where i was not to see me but to see what my special guest and so I, I was, I've been studying favoritism, and I saw this thing that uh, uh, Francis Chan, and I thought it was amazing. What he did was they had a cam out in the foyer, and like he had a teenage kid standing out there with him and Francis, and everybody walked right past the teenager, right to Francis Chan, their pastor, to talk to him. And it's like they just, he was invisible. You see where I'm going with this, don't you? It's amazing. We have favoritism, whether we admit it or not. And see, this is not, we, we think it's a little sin. How many think Jesus died for sin? All sin. And so we don't tend to put that one on the chart, but James addresses this because apparently at the first church of Jerusalem, favoritism had snuck into the church. It had somehow become a problem, so he needed to address it, but uh, and he definitely had a, a, a kind of a captive audience with these people. But here's what we're learning in these weeks. James is all about spiritual maturity, about us growing in our faith. And the Bible would teach that real, genuine, Christ-like faith never discriminates. It doesn't show favoritism. Let, let's just look at the text. Chapter 2, look there in verse 1. In the NIV, it goes, My brothers... As believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. In the, uh, in the NLT, the New Living Translation, it goes, My brothers and sisters. And right off the bat, he addresses the body. He addresses believers. He addresses those that trust Christ. And some 19 times in his book, James refers to believers, to those that are people of the way, as the book of Acts would say. And so here, I want you to feel in the first point. Favoritism is commanded... To not be shown. Fill it in. Favoritism is commanded here to never be shown. And yet it's so easy for us. And I tell you, as I've been studying this week, I thought about, you know, I, I play favorites. I don't want to play favorites. I want to treat all people the same. We're all image bearers. We're all created in the image of Jesus Christ. And yet, if I'm really honest, and maybe if you'll be self-aware with me, you'd say, you know, sometimes I treat people differently than I do others. So we'll, we'll see. It's like we... If we really are looking in the mirror, 
we kind of like VIP treatment. We like to be with important people. That just kind of opens doors in, in this world, maybe not in the kingdom, but we think it does. But here he goes, this is how they were, they, they were drifting toward favoritism in the first church of Jerusalem. Because James is really, he's the pastor or one of the pastors there of the church. As I've done study on this, it says that maybe it was one of the first mega churches. It might have uh, had a crowd of maybe 20,000 people. There was great authority. There was great influence on this church. But they, but they drifted toward that. And here's what I want you to hear. Now, a lot of times people hear messages like this. I know, brother, we need to love the poor and the oppressed and the downtrodden. And last weekend, last weekend you were in James, and you finished up chapter 1, and you said, and the orphans and the widows, widows, and Jesus says, pay special attention to them. And I say, amen. But I want you to hear this, because we're probably a middle-class church. Got lower, some rich, whatever, you know, whatever. I, I, I hate labels. Like, people want to label everything theologically and spiritually. But here's what I'd say to us. If we're careful, we're, we're, we're there, and, and we're kind of quick to, to put a, a label, to, to put a judgment if we're not careful. But here, here's what some people say sometimes. Okay, so Jesus, he is so opposed to the wealthy. He is not. Jesus loves the wealthy. Jesus loves, loves the poor. Jesus is for humanity, and the church said he loves people. Because some of you are saying, man, do I have to become poor to be a follower of Jesus? Poor in spirit, <laughs> realizing you have a need for mercy. You heard, you heard the theme of the song today, that's why I had to do that song. We need mercy, we need grace poured out in Christ for us. But God loves all people. He doesn't shun, he, he, he wants us to embrace one another with this common humanity. Let me give you some reasons why I say that. Jesus went into the home of Mary and Martha and we believe that they were probably women of means, that they might have been possibly wealthy. He also, he went and he had dinner one time with this little bitty guy up in a sycamore tree, and his name was, and he was a crook. I, 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 used, I used to have a message called, <laughs> and, and this is not disparagingly because I love him and I pray for him. He's our president. But I used to say, Trump in a tree. Uh, it used to be funny. It's not funny now because now he's our president and I pray for him. And if you don't pray for our president, I encourage you to pray for him. But here's what I know. Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. And Jesus loved this wealthy guy. And Jesus invited him what? They had a dinner invitation. So Jesus loves the rich. There, there's others. Uh, how about the rich young ruler? It's not like you read the scripture and go, Jesus opposes the rich. He does not. He loves them. He loves the poor. Jesus died for us. Jesus died for all races, for all colors, for all education, for all theological, for all people of all time. Once and for all, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. I love that. So Jesus loves people not according to their bank account, thank God. He doesn't love people according to their abilities, praise the Lord. He loves us because we're made in his image. Genesis is we're image bearers. Every time you and I connect eyes with another person, they're made in the image of Jesus. And they're important to Christ. So he says, love them, the destitute, the poor, the rich, whatever. The, the New Testament would really say that I want you to live a countercultural lifestyle as you're a follower of the way of Jesus Christ. I want you to not disregard the poor. I don't want you to only look for external factors because it's so easy to judge the outward appearance of man and woman and to see them and decide if we're going to love them or not. And, and you're saying, oh, pastor, I would never judge the externals. That is awesome. 
Some of us could, some of us might, some of us maybe have, but Jesus would say, I want you to love all people. The world does all this ranking and file system, and we understand all that. But in the church of Jesus Christ, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Does anybody agree with me on that? It's for all to come that realize their need for mercy. God, thank you for mercy. But the church has wrestled with this issue for at least 2,000 years, if not for all time. And I suppose if the Lord tarries another 100 years or 1,000 years, the church will still tarry, or they won't still tarry, the, the church will still struggle with the issue of favoritism. It's just easy to get caught up in it. Sometimes we go, but if somebody's rich or if we're rich, then we have security. That's false security. That can be... Uh, taken away in an instant. So the Lord, uh, matter of fact, Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher, he used to talk of buying seats in the church for the elite. They would, they would, like whoever gave more to the coffers, they would have special seating. That would be called sin. John Wesley, the great Methodist, what he did is, he says, I need to go out into the countryside for the poor, and I need to preach in these open meetings to the poor because in some of the communities they weren't welcomed into the house of God, and it should not be. So uh, what I love about my Jesus and your Jesus, he never shows discrimination based on color, creed, education, number of kids, no kids, single, married, grandparent, not a grandparent, rich, poor. Jesus loves us. Matter of fact, here it is. You, you go to the grocery store, and they've learned that you, they, they, they're trying to distract you because there's a line, and they want you to get caught up reading the stuff. And, and you'll look over there, and there'll be like People Magazine and all these different ones, and they're you know, proposing this. And, and a lot of times it's Freak of the Week or whatever. But uh, and like how many times they've gotten married or they're still not together. And you'll see Taylor Swift and George Clooney and Brad Pitt and Cindy Crawford and Julia Roberts and Prince William and Kate Middleton, of course. Prince Harry, and now Princess, the new one. I just want to make sure y'all are in the news. Okay, and there she is. So, so we look at them and go, oh, these are the beautiful type, the beautiful type. And we tend to kind of elevate the beautiful type. And then how about the rest of us like Keith? Well, that wasn't funny. But anybody, oh, you're not beautiful. I'm not beautiful. You know, hey, yeah. you know, you know, it's funny. My grandkids will be in my office and they go, pop. Is this you? Because i got pictures of my family and my kids and all kind of artifacts from all over the world. And they just go, huh? I said, yeah, this is me and your mom's kissing me when she's a little girl. They're like, that ain't you, Pop. That is me. I'll go get your mama. Because I had a head full of brown hair. I did. Okay. I know. I have to look at that picture because I'm like, what is hair? Like, I hadn't used a hair dryer in 20 years. But anyway, let's keep going. Okay, here we go. So, the world is impressed with outward beauty and money and trappings and earthly power. But I want you to look at this scripture that's going to come up. It's over in 1 Samuel. Would you read that scripture with me? Read it. You, know, you can stay seated. Let's read it. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I'm so glad God looks at my heart and yours this morning. He doesn't look at my bank account. He doesn't look at degrees or lack of degrees. Or he doesn't look at accomplishments or lack of accomplishments or strengths or weaknesses. God looks at my heart. And my heart needs grace. My heart is broken. My heart needs Jesus. And so do yours. So, Lord, you look at the heart. So, Lord, help me and my friends today as we get into body life. We'll even talk about this more in depth as we connect the text with one another 
Help us to look at the hearts of man and woman. Help us to look at the people that aren't like us. Because, Lord, you always rise above the secondary issues that I continue to make more important than they should be. Lord, not because of their money, not because of their accomplishments, because of who you are. Look at the second point. Favoritism denies kingdom principles. If we had an hour, and I'm going to take an hour, somebody's like, praise God, I'll come back then. Okay. But it denies the kingdom. The things that Jesus says about being a servant, about denying yourself, picking up your cross, following after him. I think the scripture's all clear. Look, look what it says here in verse 5. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised to those that love him. God has called you and me to be lovers of Christ, lovers of others, lovers of those far from Christ. God has invited you and I, has commanded us to hate favoritism, to shun it, to put it to the curb, to, to push it away, and that I would learn to love those unlike me, those that maybe seem undesirable in the eyes of the world, but they're very desirable to the Father because Christ died once and for all for the ungodly, for the sinners, for you and me. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I was thinking about this all week, and I, this verse came running to me from Philippians the, the second chapter of Philippians, verse 3. Write down Philippians 2, 3. Write it in your notes. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. The admonition of Paul would be, consider others, esteem them highly. They are better. They're, they're, they should be noble in your sight. They are made. They're image bearers. We should love them. We should honor them. We should be devoted for them. We should care for them. We should pray for them. That's what I love about the church. I love the diversity in our body, different levels of all kinds of things going on in our life. Everybody drives different cars. They live in different homes, in different neighborhoods. They wear different clothes. They do different things. And we talk different, don't we? So all the military that move in here are like, yeah, y'all kind of talk slow down there now. So I'm like, man, y'all talk really fast. Like, you're like, man, you ain't got a, a hard time. You preacher with slow tongue. But, you know, we, and we have draws and we have, you know, all these. I think about people. Anyway, we'll just keep going. Here, let, fill in the box. A, B, C. Ready? Here it is. I, I got to keep on point. Point A. Choose to see and view and value people as God does. Father, help me, help my friends to see people as you do. Help me to see the single mom that's doing her best. Maybe that single mom's got together. Maybe that single mom's struggling. Maybe that single mom has just got it incredibly rough. God, help me to see her like you. God, help me to see that laborer like you do. God, help me to see the CEO the way you see them. God, help me to see all people the way you see them, Father. They're a have or they're a have not. Maybe in school, this conjures up, you remember you, you were the in crowd or you were the out crowd. You were being taken advantage of or you were being blessed. And here's the one that always gets people. Remember when they go, let's pick teams. Oh, that was glorious. Now, I was an athlete, so I did pretty good. But I can remember, I still remember as a non-Christian, I still thought, this is kind of sick. This is kind of weird. Because I can still see in my mind at Dalreba Elementary School a lot of years ago. I won't tell you how many. I can see the same kids every week when we chose teams that never got picked. And you go, oh, well then I guess I'll take Johnny. I'm sure Johnny felt like the love of God is all in my heart today. 
You know, we didn't have the craziness and the murders and the, the mass, you know, going to the movies and people getting all that. And I'm wondering, maybe we were producing some people like that because their self-image, we tore them down. We didn't realize they were made in the image of the Father. You know what would have really been radical? What if we'd have chosen them first? Somebody would say, well, I tell you what, if you'd chosen them first, I would not have won the kickball game. We probably wouldn't have, but we'd have probably won points with Jesus. <laughs> you know, yeah, I wasn't thinking about him then either, okay? We, we, we have value to God. Look at point B. We choose to get close to people as God does. You know, God has never been disarmed or intimidated by my mess and your mess. Matter of fact, I think he pursues messes. I know he does. He pursued me. So here, here's the point. Right, it's not going to come up. I just think this is a good thought. Take the initiative, reach out, and love others. Ask them questions. And here's the thing I've learned about questions. Don't ask yes and no questions. You love Jesus? Yes. Do you want to go to lunch? No. I mean, don't. Ah. Ask them something where they have to respond to you. This will cripple an introvert every time. No, that's not my goal. My goal is for you to learn about others. And just say, so that's when we do Body Life 2.0 at the end of the service, the last 15 minutes. We will connect. I've only had one person basically tell me they don't like this. Everybody else just said, even I've been asking all our new people coming, what, what about this thing we're doing at the end? They're like, I had a lady the other day. I'd never seen her before. And she goes, honestly, I thought it was a little weird when we started. You know what? That was awesome. Oh, praise God. Has she not said awesome? I would have cried all the way home. Okay. So people, listen to Al Lloyd McInnes. He's a psychologist. People with deep and lasting friendships may be introverts. They may be extroverts, young, old, dull, intelligent, homely, good-looking, or whatever. But the one characteristic they all have in kind, common is they all have openness. Our church is open to all that they might come and see the glorious, majestic Jesus that we talk about. Amen? And in small groups, you get to do that. So we go to the poor, we go to the rich, we go to whoever, because it's the blood of Jesus that makes us right. I know this about the gospel. God delights to redeem hopeless people. I know that because I was so hopeless at 19 when I met the Savior. And so many of you met the Savior when you were younger. So many of you met him when you were older. There's some of you today that might, you might meet the Savior today. What a great day. So don't get hung up on looking at the externals of life. Move past that. Say, God, I want to see your heart. Lord, all right, so look at this thing. Look at this next point here. Point C. Choose to show greater patience with those who learn slowly or have more difficulties in life. It's a word to me. Sometimes I, let's do it. Let's do it quick. Let's do it fast. Slow down. Holy Spirit wants to produce patience in you in this relationship. Love them. They have a hard time. We don't know what the person next to us is going through. We don't know what it took for them to get here this morning. I was talking to somebody this week, and they're really having a hard time in life. And I assured them that I prayed that this would be a body that would be accepting and loving and they could come with all their mess, all their brokenness, all their perceptions. Because a lot of times, I think a lot of stuff is what we perceive that others think about us and perception seems to be 90% reality and it not be. I want people to come forward. See, my prayer is that one day, one day, this place would be so full again that we would push these chairs back out to these walls and we would be bringing chairs in and we'd be back in multiple services. But there would be people from every economic strata, every race, country, culture, whatever diversity, and we would worship as one tribe of the risen Christ. Amen? 
That's the church. That's the New Testament church that Jesus died for. Now, let's look at the third point right there in the box. Favoritism always disarms or dishonors the poor. Look at verse 6 and 7. But you have insulted the poor, says James. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the name of him who you belong? It's the rich, he says. They're the ones that have won up to you. They're the ones that are suing you they're you know it's like the, the this one guy he got he was a, a deacon or whatever an elder in his church and he decided he'd sue the church oh yeah that's a godly thing to do you know it's like man no it's the wealthiest the powerful they're the ones that are tying us up in these systems and god's like no i want you to love all people i don't want you to get caught up in that that's fine if you have wealth i mean you could use the wealth for kingdom principles we we, we love the wealthy around here praise god we love the poor we just love people around here that's the Jesus factor. That's, that's what God wants us. You know, the, the, the rich were associated with the Sanhedrin in the, in, in the Scripture. And the Sanhedrin didn't always have the, the greatest name in the Sadducees, and they didn't believe in the resurrection, and a lot of them. But it's like, if we're not careful, we look for somebody to have a better rapper than us. And you know what I'm saying about rapper? Like, that rapper externally looks whatever, so I'm drawn to it. And here's what I know about me and about you. We're drawn to people that are like us. Have you ever noticed that? We're, you know, they kind of, they, they act like us, they kind of wear clothes like us, they kind of talk like us, they, you know, you just, you become like that, and, and that's kind of a natural thing, it's a natural bent. But one of the things we're encouraging in this uh, series, and in, in, in this uh, time of body life, is we're encouraging people to even sit around that aren't so necessarily always like us, we're just sitting around intergenerationally, young and old and whatever, and we just get to know one another, it's called the, the tapestry, it's called the threads in the body of Christ. It's very broad. you got to remember, I pastor a community church. That means we take many theological streams and we weave them into the one mainstream being the body of Jesus, that we love Christ, that we believe in the shed blood, the death, the resurrection, the infallibility of Scripture, and, and we can agree to disagree on some non-essentials of faith, and that is okay, and the church said. And people are okay with that. People are like, oh, no, pastor, I'm going to fight you over that. Okay, we, we can fight later if that's what you want to do. I, I already went to seminary. That's not my goal. I don't want to see if you can baffle me and I can baffle you. I want to love you. Jesus said, they'll know you're Christians by the way you have such intelligence other, more than others. He said, how you love them. And man, I feel this love test, and maybe you do. So, God, I don't want to judge people by the raptor, rapper. Lord, it flies in the eyes of grace. And, and look down here. So we're, we're looking through James, and earlier he tells them, hey, you stand here, you sit over there. They're kind of casting, they're, they're setting it up. And you, hey, you're rich in the eyes of the world. You're rich in faith. You've insulted the poor. Look at verse 8. James chapter 2, verse 8. But if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin, you're convicted by the law as lawbreakers. <laughs> I don't know about you, he just called favoritism a sin. He didn't go, well, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about putting favoritism on the list. No, he just says, you're a lawbreaker, you're a sinner. Verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Look at this, verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. And if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Here's the thing, we... we we categorize sin, big sins, major sins, minor sins, little sins. Jesus looks at sin that he shed his life, his blood for. 
So we have to go, Lord, I, I want to know the measure of true faith, and it means to love one. It, here, here's a theme that you're going to see all through James. I've talked about it. I'll talk about it more next week. We'll talk about it now. Do the Word. Don't be a mere hearer, but be a, a doer. Do the Word. Do the Word. Line yourself up the royal law. Snobbery. Discrimination. Favoritism. Stop it. That's not what I died for. Well, I died for it, but I don't want you to practice that. I want you to push off that wrapper. I want you to find my heart. I want you to run after me. I want you to associate with the lowly, with the downtrodden, with the broken. I want you to associate with the loving and the wealthy and the good-looking and, and whatever. I just want you to love mankind. I want you to go after them. I want you to pursue them with my heart. In, in Matthew twenty-two sixteen, it says, We know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial, and you don't play favorites. Man, we can find this favoritism thing running through the, the thread of the gospel. That Jesus is like, put it, put it away, hook up to the royal law, find that partiality violates the royal, the high, the supreme law of Jesus. Find the way that God has. Lord, I, I want to get rid of my guilt. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm born again. And by being a born again, I have a new nature. And that nature is for the Holy Spirit to fill and control and express His life in and through me to other people. God, I, I, I love it. So look, look, look here in verse 11. But I want you to say, oh, this is going to just build. This, this is beautiful. This is really the whole point of where I want to go. Verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Huh. Mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment here's 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 the illustration i'll give you there's there's this murderer and he's on death row and right before his execution comes up the phone rings and it's the governor of their state and the governor says you are pardoned huh yeah you're pardoned like man that is mercy because like he deserved <laughs> He deserved death, and the, and, the, and the governor issued mercy. And on his way back to the cell where everybody thought, man, you know, they're going to haul you out with a coroner, he's on the way back. The judge stops him in the hall. And the judge goes, I've got a suit for you over here in this closet. Why don't you go get showered up and put it on? And here he pulls a Rolex out of his pocket and goes, and I want you to put this Rolex on your watch, on your, on your, on your wrist. And then he goes, hey, and after you get all tidied up, then I want you to know there's a limo sitting out front. Huh? And then they're going to deliver you to my house. That's called grace. <laughs> That's unbelievable. And God has extended such grace to you and me. Despite our sin, despite our falling short, God says mercy rejoices over. It triumphs. It trumps judgment a lot of times as i'm praying if i'm honest i find myself that i can get very judgmental and the lord has brought this scripture to my mind thousands of times thousands but mercy triumphs over judgment and i will ask the lord god help me not to be so judgmental, but to be merciful because you've been merciful to me, a sinner. And then I go, God, may we exchange today judgment 
for your mercy. Your mercy is what I need. That's genuine faith. Because, Lord, we don't have the same background in this room. We don't have the same culture. We do probably have the same language. We definitely don't have the same IQ, the same economic conditions. We don't have the same abilities. We don't have the same opportunities. We don't have the same families. But we can have the same Father if we're in Christ. Is that good news? A godly, perfect, good, good Father. So the, the New Testament talks about all these divisions. Listen to some of them. The scripture talks about Jews and Gentiles, Greeks and non-Greeks, rich, rich and poor, slave and free, circumcised and uncircumcised, young and old, vegetarians and meat eaters, Sabbath keepers and non-Sabbath keepers. All these things we see as we read scripture. And God says, and we've got all these favorite things and we put these little people on the thing and I've got something else for you. Let's fill it in the last one. Favoritism exposes us to God's judgment. God when I sin, I'm exposed to your judgment. I'm laid open. Yes, by the blood of Christ, I'm forgiven. I have a way to the Father. I have a way to go to heaven. But Lord, I will face judgment in, in a sense that, you know, as a believer. And so, Lord, blessed are the merciful, for the Scripture says, for they shall receive mercy. Oh, that's what I'm trying to preach today with everything I've got within me. I want us to be a mercy fellowship, that we extend mercy because great mercy has been extended to us lavish love has been poured out just dumped on us and may we dump that love on others the other day i had a, a load of gravel come out here we're finally fixing the drive everybody's like praise god and so and they'll hopefully finish it this week so he's coming out and he brings this big truck out here and he dumps all this stuff a big old you know it's like the third load we've had because that stuff just disappears i don't know where it goes but uh so many that big and i thought man that's what it is a, a truck load a dump load of mercy that's what God has done for me and you in Christ. He just dumped out so much love, so much grace. And God, I need it. So faith without mercy toward others is not genuine faith. Lord, I don't need, me, my friends, we don't need to disdain the elderly anymore. We don't need to disdain people that are a different color than us, a different people that have a different ethnicity than us, a different socioeconomic, a different whatever. God, we need to love people and value people as you love them. Lord, we need repentance because I'm going to invite you to put this up on the screen for me. Mercy triumphs over judgment. When you leave here today, I hope you remember the word favoritism is a sin. But I hope you remember the words that Caitlin and the team sang over us and we sang together to Jesus. And I hope you hear these words of royal law and scripture in your heart that mercy wins, mercy reigns over us. It exposes us to God's judgment if we sin. So Lord, we need mercy. Lord, it's not what I deserve, but it's what I need. And Lord, I desire, I desire it for my friends that I want to be triumphant. I want to be victorious. So Lord, help us to follow you. I want to give you a truth that I usually, you know, sometimes I write message truths and I put them in your notes. This didn't come to me till the late hour, so I couldn't put it in your notes. So you probably won't write it down, but uh, I don't know. You, you can listen to the podcast over and over, you can hear it. Here's the message truth that I wrote down. Favoritism is a form of judgment by which I categorize and separate those who are worthy of mercy from those who are not. God, help me. 
Help my friends to love others the way you see them and the way you love them with the everlasting love of Christ. For friend, this is what I'll tell you. Many people will never pick up this beautiful book called the Scriptures of the Bible. They'll never read it. But they will read you every day. You are a living epistle of Christ if you're in Christ. And they will live your life and they will judge your life. So God, help us to be people that are free and joyful and more like Christ. Not perfect. We have a perfect Father. We're going to blow it. Let me tell you, we're going to blow this favoritism thing. We're going to blow it. Run to the mercy seat. And there's mercy. Let's pray. Lord God, I believe that this morning you're drawing our hearts closer to you and one another. And I pray that you would build a fellowship in this house of love and mercy and great grace and great joy. And Father, I pray that where we are, have a, a propensity to run toward or to act in favoritism, that you would check us with the Holy Spirit and help us to repent quickly and not show favoritism. God, help me. Help us, God. Help us to be like Christ. For we want to see you face to face. God bless us today as we fellowship. Lord, if there's anybody that wants to discuss their faith, Lord, I'll be over to the side. Feel free to come and talk or talk to one of your small group leaders today. But Jesus, we run to you. You're a great God. Have mercy on us. In Jesus' name.